This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. Entrepreneurship and product innovation are true drivers of change within the vision of a more sustainable future. There's always room for more people to work on solutions, small and large, that can change our way of life for the better. Combined efforts towards change between the industries and individuals will pave the way to a brighter future for people and the planet. Here at Brightly, we love to share new products, ideas, and entrepreneurs that are making it easier for individuals to live sustainably in their daily life. Today, it's my great pleasure to speak with someone who truly shares that mission and someone who I've been a fan of for for many years. Julia Collins is the founder of Planet Forward and Moonshot, um, two companies making major headway in the fight against climate change in the food industry and beyond. Um, So listeners, you're going to love today's episode. Let's get into it. Good Together listeners, I am so thrilled to welcome Julia Collins to today's podcast. I personally have been a big fan of Julia ever since discovering her work with Planet Forward years ago. I, I think I must have found her on Twitter. I mean, I, I you guys know I live on Twitter. I, I love it. Um, and as a fellow female founder in the sustainability space. I've just always really been super inspired by the way, you know, she thinks about, um, you know, her various, her various, uh, I don't know, like businesses and, and initiatives. So welcome, Julia. So excited to have you. Hey, Laura, I'm super, super excited to be here. I've been a huge fan of yours for many, many years. Um, and it's nice to finally be connecting. Awesome. So, so Julia, I wonder if you can get us started by um, giving our audience a little bit of an intro into sort of who you are and how you got to be where you are today in, you know, in the, in the name of sustainability. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'll give you my life story in 30 seconds or less. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I am talking to you today from San Francisco, California, which is actually my hometown. I was born and raised here. Um, my grandparents moved here during the Great Migration to start a dental practice serving the Black community. Um, and this is the time when San Francisco was was truly segregated. And so they built this practice where all people were welcome from all walks of life and all races. And I just always grew up, Laura, with this, like, everyone gather at the table um, yes. ethos. Yes. And so I guess that makes a lot of sense um, in terms of why I love food so much. Um, the other thing, you know, I, I was really close to my grandparents growing up and they survived um, and lived through the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And so they also just taught me a lot about sustainability from the perspective of of just holding on to what you had, you know, yes. mending things, right? Um, if you ask my grandma for a stick of gum, she would like cut the stick of gum in four pieces and give one quarter <laughs> to each cousin. 
<laughs> That's she had right. a tinfoil ball. She's the first person I know to really have a tinfoil ball at home that they used. You know, yeah. she would wash out Ziploc bags and like, these are all the things that I do now. Um, but it really came from my grandparents. Yeah, it's so funny too, Julia. Like we oftentimes say that, you know, some of the best leaders in like, you know, zero waste or low waste lifestyles are our grandparents and people who came from a time where, you know, there wasn't as much abundance in terms of anything, especially single use items. So I I love that you have that background because we all know somebody in our lives who does the washing out of the Ziploc bags, which, you know, we we say that's kind of accidentally eco, but it sure is, right? (laughs) (laughs) It really is. And like some things are hard and some things are easy, you know? Um, Yes. And you just do the things that you can. You don't have to be perfect um, in order to live like a really sustainable lifestyle at home. And I think that's another thing that I learned from my grandparents. Absolutely. So, you know, you you kind of started to allude to this, but listeners, you know, Julia, um, as we talked about in the intro, is the founder of Planet Forward and Moonshot, two food companies focused on sustainability. But one thing that I, I thought was really interesting, and I think how I first heard about you um, was when you, you know, you, before you've even founded Planet Forward and Moonshot, you've spent a long time founding other food-related businesses. And I believe um, when I first found out about you, it was the, it was, did you pronounce it Zoom Pizza? Is that how it was called? Yeah, yep. that's exactly right. It was spelled um, Z-U-M-E Pizza, but we pronounced it Zoom. Um, and it, I was on a similar, you know, mission then, which was to use the power of food um, to help create a better planet. And more specifically, thinking about how to shorten supply chains um, to bring fresher food to customers and eaters, you know, how to think about automation to make work safer, right, and more sustainable for folks preparing the food. Um, I thought a lot about packaging, um, and actually the first patent that I was ever awarded was for a compostable pizza box um, made from sugarcane fiber. Ooh. So really um, thinking about all the different ways that you could innovate within the food system, especially the supply chain innovations, just to create better outcomes. Absolutely. And, um, you know, listeners, you know, Julie was the first Black woman to co-found a unicorn company after Zoom was valued at over $2.25 billion. So such an exciting achievement for you. Of course, I know you were probably also like, Hey, I've got a lot of work left to do, right? Like, I feel like that's how it is always, right? As, as CEOs, right? <laughs> it's totally true. As CEOs, we feel that. I mean, I think I just never have been aligned with like the external metrics for success. They never have like really resonated with me, which is kind of a double-edged sword, you know? Sure. Because yeah. on the one hand, like I don't get too upset if I don't meet other people's expectations of what success looks like. For example, like. You know, I had my first kid at 39, you know, I I, I think my family would have loved for that to happen much earlier, but that never really bothered me. But at the same time, kind of the the unicorn thing and the way that it looms so large in the founder psyche, I think is almost, not to sound um, overly dramatic, but I think it's almost a bit damaging, Laura, like how much focus there is on um, what valuation you can drive as a founder, as opposed to like, just how much value you can create and, you know, high growth businesses as opposed to truly sustainable and regenerative businesses. So I'm definitely proud that I achieved that milestone, but I have a little bit of, um, you know, a, an uncomfortable relationship with it, if I'm honest. 
Absolutely. And no, I, I totally appreciate the honesty. And, and listeners, if you weren't familiar with Zoom, um, it was a robot powered pizza company. And I just remember seeing a video of it and being like, this is genius. I'm also a type of person who when I get pizza, my husband makes fun of me. I literally am waiting for it when it comes out of the oven. Like I can't have <laughs> old pizza. So for me, it's like, oh, wow, you're telling me that I can go and have, you know, an automatic pizza made for me that's going to taste great. And it's using technology and doing all the things like you said earlier, right? Like uh, making our supply chain shorter, um, you know, helping with, um, you know, I do also believe that automation can actually help um, worker equity and, um, you know, uh, making sure that people have, you know, better working um, conditions and lives. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. I know there's people that probably would would say other things about it, but but I, I absolutely agree. And so, yeah, I mean, just taking that experience, Julia, and, you know, um, you know, I believe Zoom, you know, uh, you know, closed business and you, you probably thought, well, what am I doing next? Right. So Zoom is actually um, still in business. Um, oh, it is? Okay. Being, yeah, being run by my co-founder and just an amazing group of of folks who are um, really focused still on sustainability. But Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, my journey just took me in a different direction. You know, um, like you, you know, I'm a parent and actually um, I know we both have eight months old. Eight months. I know, old, it's eight so month fun. Olds, <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> yeah. fun. I, but I also have a four-year-old and – that the experience of just becoming a parent really, really changed me. Um, and I went from being sort of like concerned about, you know, sustainability to absolutely obsessed with understanding not only the relationship between food systems and climate change, but how I could use food systems to fight climate change. Um, wow. And when I learned that, you know, 34% of global greenhouse gas emissions came from food, I thought, oh gosh, this makes me really angry, um, but also this feels like a solvable problem. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you. So this is such a common thing I hear from from moms or you know people as they they talk about like their journey um, becoming parents is yes, like we all had thoughts about climate change. We knew it was urgent, but the urgency was never felt. Um, and I mean, never felt like it is as a parent. And I think. A lot of people look inward first and they're like, okay, I'm going to obsess about the amount of waste my baby's creating. So, and I, and I was doing this too, right? Like I was uh, trying to make sure that we were cloth diapering and doing all of these things. But what I love about your story is, you know, you took your background as an entrepreneur and said, I'm going to actually take my skills and do it in a really like impactful, scalable way. So, so tell me a little bit about like how the idea for Planet Forward kind of came about and how you started to think about scaling the business, balancing it with your, you know, your new family. Like I, I'm super curious about it. I just remember, Laura, there was one morning I was in the kitchen and I was heating up some breast milk for Mosi because um, I had to run to work. I didn't have time to nurse. And I yeah. took the breast milk out of the fridge and it was like covered in plastic. And then I put it in a bottle warmer, which was made of plastic, and then put it in another bottle, which was plastic. And then I went to look for something, you know, that I wanted to bring for lunch. And again, you know, and I just thought, this is, this is crazy. I looked at my kitchen and then I looked at everything in my house. And I don't know why for the first time in my life, I just felt like I was being like buried alive by all of these incredibly like unsustainable products, you know? Yes. Absolutely. Um, and it just made me so mad. You know, I was like, I have to eat. I have to feed my family. Like, 
why do I have to do this in a way that's also, you know, so damaging to our ecosystems? And I thought there just has to be a, a better way. Um, and I wanted to be, you know, not just like a, a, you know, a founder, I wanted to really be a catalyst. So I started just dreaming about what it would look like to build a truly climate-friendly product. And I thought, well, it's not enough to have a product. You really need to have a brand. Um, and that was where the vision for Moonshot came from. It was really like, how do we create the world's first truly climate-friendly snack brand? Um, and that was really the first vision for what I um, continued to expand on with Planet Forward. And I can explain a bit about Planet Forward side of the business too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, listeners, Moonshot, um, you know, first of all, I am a, I'm actually probably not the biggest snacker. I know there's a lot of people out there who are constantly snacking, but when I choose to have a snack, I'm pretty careful about like what is going into my body. And so just the ingredients and the thought behind, you know, what you're putting forward is so cool. And, you know, when you, I guess from somebody who's never been on the food side of things, how do you go about like crafting a sustainable recipe or a sustainable food product? Like take us through a little bit about how that actually happens. You know, I think there's the way that it's normally done and then there's the way that we did it. And they're That's a little right. bit opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I think normally people do a lot of like data-driven analysis on the market and the white space opportunities. And they look at a ton of Nielsen and spins data to identify category yes. trends and we actually did the opposite. I took the perspective, and this is like maybe one of the things about, you know, entering the CPG market as a first-time founder is I just felt no um, allegiance to the status quo. Mm -hmm. And I was probably a bit naive. And I just thought, well, what if we did it the opposite way? What if we first asked, you know, farmers, um, particularly farmers who are practicing regenerative agriculture, what do you want to grow? What do you need to grow? in order to maximize soil health, in order to maximize regeneration. And I can make anything, right? Yes. Um, because isn't that the truth? You can make a tasty snack from just about anything. Yep. Um, so why not start with the ingredients that are the most regenerative, that are the most um, important from a soil health perspective, right? That are, that are grown in these wonderful crop rotations. And so we actually found... Um, a collection of family farmers in Western Washington um, who were not only uh, organic, but also practicing regenerative agriculture and were growing wheat. Um, but they were just having to sell that wheat into the commodity system. They're growing the mm. wheat in the rotation because it's a great nitrogen fixer. I mean, it was great in the rotation, okay. um, but they weren't really getting a premium for their wheat. So that's kind of the story of how we decided to make wheat crackers. It was really falling in love with these farmers who were doing such good work in terms of soil health and climate-friendly farming, and then designing a product from, from their farms. And I mean, so that is 100% different than the way other people have done this, right? <laughs> I mean, whether you think about, th um, you know, the the data and um, analysis that, you, that most uh, companies will start off with, or even maybe somebody starts off and they say, well, I want to make a wheat cracker, so now I'm going to work backwards and find the best supply chain. Like, the fact that you even just said, you know what, my company is going to be in service of, you know, uh, mitigating climate change. And in order to do that, I need to focus on a raw material that is, you know, responsible um, for the environment when it comes to crop growth. And so the concept of thinking about regenerative ag agriculture um, as it comes to 
uh, you know, product developed to me is just such a cool insight. I mean, did you just, how did you, I mean, to me, that's like just a, it's just so different, Julia. Like what made you think about it that way? I suppose I looked at the way things were, Laura, and I thought this is actually the opposite of how they should be. So maybe I should do everything the opposite way of how it's done. (laughs) I mean, that sounds a little bit cheeky, but it creates this beautiful paradigm, right? So now we're thinking about what comes next, you know, and legumes are such great nitrogen fixers. Um, So also a really wonderful part of these regenerative systems. So now we're super inspired to think about all of the amazing snacks that we can make from legumes. And we're not the only ones. There's so many people who are innovating around beans and things. Um, So it was really just like focusing not only, you know, on, on in terms of how to do things differently, but probably a better answer is understanding the core values of our business and then making decisions based on theirs, on on those core values. So at the core of Moonshot, we are unapologetically climate friendly, and we stand up in support of farmers who are practicing regenerative agriculture. Um, and That's that means we make so cool. yeah product development decisions in line with those in line with those principles. Absolutely. And so when when it comes to the farmers in the equation, um, you know, I'd be curious to know, like, as Moonshot has grown, and I think really proven, um, you know, market opportunity and market fit for this type of product development and company development, are you having, um, you know, farmers reach out and say, like, hey, we want to join the program? Are you guys engaging with farmers in different ways? I think we're seeing so much growth. Um, in terms of the adoption of regenerative agriculture, you know, broadly. Um, And it's really exciting to, you know, have a small part in creating more demand um, for these products. But, you know, farmers have so much power and so much wisdom. Um, And I think what we try to do at Moonshot is to approach all of this with a bit of humility, you know. um, Absolutely. As opposed to sort of saying like, you know, hey, y'all, here's what we think you need to be doing with your soil. We we really want to learn from, from the good work that people are already doing. And then our job is to create amazingly tasty products that people love, um, brought to market in a way that makes them accessible. That's, that's the magic of Moonshot. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I had the chance to sit down and, and chat with uh, Miyoko of Miyoko's Creamery. Listeners, if you're not familiar, they're just a really amazing artisanal uh, vegan cheese company. And Miyoko was talking about um, how she basically, you know, had created a new way to make vegan cheese. And one of the interesting side effects of the way that they were choosing to do it, similar to what the way Moonshot's done, is, you know, they were able to create more sustainable farming practices you know, in their ecosystem and, you know, it started to spread. And now, you know, she, she was talking about, you know, the livelihoods of, of the folks she's been able to impact through this really impactful business has just been so interesting. And so from my perspective, seeing the food industry start to pay attention to whether we're talking about, you know, regenerative agriculture or um, ingredients that are more um, climate friendly or even waste, uh, like, upcycled uh, materials and foods. I find that fascinating, right? Super fascinating. Yeah, we're members of the Upcycled Food Association and we just love the work that folks are doing. You know, there's so many regenerative brands that I can name, but 
you know, we're particularly close to the to the team at Renewal Mill and to the team yes. at Rebrained. Um, and just, you know, really excited to see that um, brands and consumers are developing, you know, a real interest in the way that we can reduce food waste and also just create super tasty products. Absolutely. And so the other thing I was going to ask you too, so as we think about, you know, different trends that are happening in the food and sustainability spaces, are there other ones we haven't covered? Like we just, just briefly touched on upcycled food trends. Like what, I mean, I'm curious, maybe, maybe you have uh, thoughts on like some of the big actors uh, of the, of the industry. Are they starting to make changes or are they just kind of like, you know, waiting to see what's going on? (laughs) I, I know these large companies can be a little bit slow right out of the gate, but when they mobilize, it's so powerful. I think, yes. you know, I will say this all day long, the future of food is climate friendly and now really is the time. So in addition to regenerative agriculture being a really important trend, um, and I hope it'll be a lasting trend in the same way that organic has been a lasting trend. Um, I believe carbon neutral is going to be the most important consumer facing badge um, within the next 10 years. And I'm seeing more and more brands um, really um, reaching out to our our company, Planet Forward, the software company, um, asking for help in establishing their baseline footprint, carbon footprint, you know, reducing their carbon footprint, and then getting to carbon neutral. So I think carbon neutral is the next big sustainability trend for sure. Absolutely. And so when you are, you know, talking with brands as part of your work with Planet Forward and you're you're, not, you're helping them, you know, understand how to get more towards being 100% carbon neutral in their company. Um, tell me a little bit about like ways they go about doing this. Like I know everybody knows a lot about, um, you know, carbon offsets, but oftentimes like you know, that's not necessarily the, the best thing ever. Like if we can think about uh, the impact of carbon on all aspects of our business and maybe thinking about reducing it at the source, um, I also feel like that's really important. So tell me a little bit about how you guys walk through um, the advice, um, you know, fr- from a company perspective. You're absolutely right that while carbon offsets can play an important role in a climate strategy and are often necessary to achieve total neutrality, you can't rely on carbon offsets to drive emissions reductions. You really, really do have to look for ways to reduce your emissions. And for consumer brands, what's so interesting about this work, Laura, is that um, just for anyone who's listening who may not already sort of know about this, when you look at a company's carbon footprint, you measure it in scope one, scope two, and scope three, okay? Scope one is direct emissions, scope two is indirect emissions, but scope three is that everything that's in that big, hairy, complex supply chain. And for consumer companies, 90% or more of their impact is coming from scope three, 90%. So in order for a food company or a beverage company or really any consumer company, fashion, beauty, to reduce their emissions, they have to get really, really clear on where their scope three emissions are coming from. So that means having, yeah, it's fabulous. It's really hard though. And actually it was so hard um, when I was, uh, when we built Moonshot and we wanted it to be carbon neutral, it was really, really hard to figure out, you know, all of these things. How do we measure our 
footprint for the product? How do we measure our footprint for the company? How do we source offsets? How do we reduce emissions? And that's actually why we built Planet Forward, the software company, to help all the other brands that wanted to be more sustainable um, to really make it easier for all the other amazing teams that wanted to build climate action plans around their consumer companies. So that's kind of how the two companies are related. Yeah, I, I mean, and understanding to how your company, you know, how Moonshot was able to take those insights and then help other brands learn from them is is really interesting because I feel like from where we sit with Brightly and Good Together, you know, we see so many brands come to us and ask us the same thing. Like, you know, how do we do better? How do we get, you know, whether it's, you know, a certain certification or how do we source things better? And there's so many different parts of the equation. So just being able to have you know, some data sharing in the name of, uh, you know, furthering more climate friendly businesses is just a really, I think it's a super important thing that all of us as, as business owners need to get better at, right? <laughs> right. And the thing is, as business owners, we're already doing so many things, you know? Amen. We're, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're hiring, we're fundraising, we're doing administration, we're marketing, we're creating content, we're, you know, and so there's no, there's no way that even the largest companies on the planet need help with climate action and climate initiatives, you know, because this really is um, deeply scientific work. So Planet Forward has a team of climate scientists that are dedicated to working with our customers, expanding our data, um, and we spend a lot of time helping our customers not just understand you know, what their carbon footprint is, but what it means, where it's coming from, and most importantly, how to improve it. Yes. And that actually kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to ask you was it was talking more about like the individual and helping people understand a little bit more about their carbon footprint. You know, I think a lot of us have taken these like carbon footprint calculators and we're, we're trying to wade through everything. But I'm curious to know about, um, you know, your your thoughts around the power that individuals have in affecting change from a climate perspective. Well, I'll say two things, and the first might sound a little bit controversial. But okay, let's hear it. <laughs> you know, I I think ugh, there's almost too much emphasis put on um, individual responsibility to reduce our individual carbon footprint, mm -hmm. um, and not enough on putting pressure on the largest emitters on the planet. You know, so don't get me wrong. I am a climatarian. I I take pains to. Um, make all of my decisions, you know, in alignment with creating a, a healthy climate. But at the same time, you know, we have to put pressure on larger organizations, on our global food and beverage companies, you know, to decarbonize. So Absolutely. I think one of the best things, yeah, one of the best things that you yeah. can do is like the work that you're doing, Laura, like bringing people to the table, getting them fired up about sustainability, you know, helping them understand the issues and like how to put pressure on the right people. But what I will say this, I do think that, you know, climate doom is real. Like, yes. I wake up every day yes. just like you do and work on these issues and that can get really heavy, especially, uh -huh. you know, for, for all of us for different reasons. Um, and so individual action in my life is one of the antidotes to climate doom. You yes. know, it's the, right, it's the thing that helps me feel empowered, right? Absolutely. And, and what I love about your platform and why I was like so juiced to talk to you is that 
you're not just doing the work yourself. You're, 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 you're influencing so many other people to do it. And so I think that's really the important thing is like, you know, don't just like get really great at composting, make sure your whole block and all of your neighbors or everyone at your school knows how to compost, right? (laughs) You know, brag about your sustainability on TikTok and Instagram so that other people are encouraged to follow. So individual actions are important where they lead to collective action and also where they help us to safeguard our own just emotional well-being during these like pretty heavy times. Absolutely. And well, thank you so much for your kind words. And you're right. I mean, I think climate anxiety, climate doom is something that can consume all of us or, I mean, general anxiety about what's going on in the world. I mean, you know, we listeners, we we can't, um, you know, understate how how chaotic things are right now and how, whether we're talking about individual rights or, um, you know, even rights to regulate what's going on with, um, you know, emissions here in this country. I mean, there's just so many things happening right now. And so you're, I totally agree with you, Julia, from an individual perspective, we need to, you know, continue to affect change in whatever way that we can, but we do also need to continue to hold these larger companies, um, and, you know, governmental institutions accountable. Um, and, you said something earlier, I'm trying to remember the exact quote because I loved it, but it was something like when a big company acts, um, it's it's a really, really impactful uh, moment. I, you said it much more eloquently than I just did, but you're right. <laughs> they, they, have, they have a big power to affect change, right? Yeah, they can be a little bit slow out of the starting blocks, but when they mobilize, it, you know, it really creates a sea change. And so- That's right. Yeah, there's, there's, listen, I, I say this all the time, but there is no silver bullet solution. You know, I'm deeply interested in the power of consumer brands to tackle climate change. You know, 60% of global emissions come from household use. Isn't yes, that crazy? That's Things crazy. Like it's like, right, it's just wild. So like that moment where I was feeling like I was being buried alive in my own kitchen by all the things, that was real. I was really yes. sensing that, you know, the impact there. Um, but at the same time, you know, human beings have existed on a plant on the planet for for millions of years without that being the case. And so, I really do believe that we can decarbonize our consumer space. I, I really believe it. I know that it can happen, and that's like what I get up super pumped about every day to do. Yes, same here. Well, you and I are definitely speaking the same language. Um, so, Julia, just to kind of close out our conversation, I can't believe it's already almost been a half hour. I think <laughs> you and I could just talk forever. I almost kind of want us to have like a talk show where we just like talk all the time. I think it would be so fun. <laughs> so, TBD listeners. <laughs> Um, I say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. But um, to kind of wrap things up, I typically like to ask uh, all of our guests here at Good Together the same question because I think it's really interesting to hear the variety of answers we get to it, which is, you know, from where you're sitting, either as, you know, a multiple time founder, a mother, um, an individual concerned about the climate, whatever way you want to take this question, um, what is exciting you the most about what you're witnessing right now going on in the ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement? I am very, very excited about this next wave of founders um, who are building really exciting food companies. You know, I think about like the team at Kiki Milk who's doing a plant-based kid's milk that's super, super tasty, you know, or the team at Healthy Hippo. Like I love Pat at 12 Tides, like my favorite seaweed snack on the planet. I just get really, really excited about the growth and proliferation of 
um, food brands led by founders who are who know that you know um, health is table stakes, taste is table stakes. Like where they really want to go with their brands is to be um, climate friendly. Absolutely. Well, I am looking forward to looking up all of those companies after this. And listeners, we'll have it, all of the links, as you know, in our show notes on brightly.eco. But I am like, you know, especially as a new mom trying to get snacks together for my little one, like we started solids, which I'm sure you have too. That's a whole nother issue. <laughs> but trying to get like yummy um, nutritional snacks is is a challenge. So I, I'm definitely going over there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Julia. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Laura. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And as a special thank you to our listeners, use code GOODTOGETHER to get 10% off all products in Brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.